It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Powered by the Ingram Agency, you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold. The trade deadline has come and gone, and GMDP, for some of you, has made it as a wizard. And some of you may not think he's a wizard, but we'll get to that in a second. I'm Kyle. With me, as always, is Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. If you're watching TSN today, boys, Justin Trudeau, the illustrious Prime Minister of Canada, decided that (laughs) he would love to eventually get the NHL trade deadline as a Canadian national holiday. And I, for one, could get behind that as an American national holiday, too. I'm not going to lie. It was difficult to get work done today. Oh, yeah. Like I I said, I was charging my phone at 1 o'clock. Yeah, and that's with a backup battery, right? On it nonstop. Yeah. Twitter was interesting. I'll put it like that. First half was very hilarious. Second half was even more hilarious, which I'll get to and elaborate more later. But it was so difficult to concentrate at work. I somehow got all my work done. Like I had coworkers talking. My manager's talking to me about it. Like It is just what an incredible day in hockey. I love it. It is the prelude to the postseason, and it gets me hyped because now teams are set, baby. This is it. This is the push for the postseason. And then the playoffs start, and that's where the real fun begins. It's funny you're talking about your coworkers. So one of mine came in the work, and the first thing he asked me at 8 o'clock in the morning, didn't even ask me what was I working on. He comes in, he goes, how's the trade deadline looking? Because if you're an NHL fan, everybody knows this is the day. Might be my second favorite day. I, we all love the trade deadline. I might put uh, the bracket day as my favorite, the day uh, you make out your brackets. But other than that, this is exciting, man. It doesn't get any better. And not just that, but we had a very filled day of a lot of trades going on, so it was an exciting day for hockey. Yeah, it, all day. I'm just I'm sitting here watching Twitter slowly implode because we're not making moves. Predators aren't making moves here. So everyone's wondering, GMDP, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? All those armchair GMs out there who haven't GM'd a single game in their entire life, probably in a minor, let alone unprofessional league, were just questioning why we weren't doing this. And then, okay, a trade would be made. Uh-oh, here we go. First round exit, Kyle. <laughs> Uh-oh, this team sucks. Why are we not doing anything? It was literally the most negative I've seen Twitter in a long time. And my feed was, like, refreshing every five seconds. I mean, new tweet, new tweet, new trade. Oh, gosh. Why aren't the trade? You know, oh, Preds are terrible. We're not doing anything. Fire everybody. GMDP has no idea what he's doing. And that depends if you were on Twitter as a fan or as a hockey analytics person because one thing I've noticed, especially this year, as analytics are starting to ramp up in various uh, teams, you get people that follow those accounts that are really good at at analytics. One of my favorites is Micah McCurdy, who is a very neutral analytics person. What I'm referring to is team accounts that are not really run by the teams. They're run by fans who have that analytical background that come out during like the trade season and start saying, this is what we need. This is what we don't need. No, you didn't need to do that. Yes, you need to do this. And I can't believe you did that. It was kind of a mixture, as you say, Daniel. You got one one camp going crazy saying, we need this. The other side's going no, we don't need this. And it really depends if he was a fan or analytics fan. Yeah, unfortunately, most of the fans, you know, you kind of – situations like this, it's really hard to be on Twitter. I try to only follow the blue check marks on a day like today because that's the information I'm really looking for. I can't, don't really have a lot of time for a, a bunch of opinions. And the fans are great, but you get to the point you follow these guys their whole career and in Nashville, you're going to these games, you got their jerseys, you're emotionally invested and you want to see this player maybe not traded or you want to see this other asset being brought in. And you have a real emotional stake in this team, but you got to look at the, like the GM has an overall view that's a little bit more heady, and they they know what's going on. They got this job, they do this for a living, so maybe what GMDP is doing is is really right all along. So you got to think long term, not just short sighted. Well, it's pretty funny because going back to what I said is like the first half of the day, it's literally like the most depressing thing ever. There's so many negative Nancys, there's so many Johnny rain clouds out there, just wondering why we aren't doing anything and then all of a sudden you know about 30 minutes left 
the news comes out of Fiala getting traded for Grandley. And then then you got the camp of like, you know what? I'm so glad Poyle at least made a move today. It wasn't it wasn't quite the one we wanted, Kyle. <laughs> but you know what? I, I am satisfied now with GM for doing something. You know, like it's a personal thing. Then three minutes before the deadline, boom, the Wayne Simmons train goes on. Oh my God, Poyle, the wizard has done it again. Like total flip flop of Fred's Twitter. Uh, I mean, it was it was almost instant. Flip the switch. This cup, we're we're on a cup run now, which is very optimistic. And two, it, it just it just cracked me up. And one thing Hal Gill said during the whole trade deadline today was that an NHL trade does not win you a cup. Winning 16 games wins you a cup. It's the most accurate statement. I really feel, not just Nashville fans, but everybody's like, oh, we need to make a trade. Our team sucks. We have to make a trade at the deadline. But what I'm thinking is, okay, you're going to trade for one player, but you still have over a dozen other players, so you're (laughs) going to have marginal improvement on one guy, but the rest of your team has to act right for you to win a cup. You know, Your GM isn't going to save your bacon on just one trade. Your your whole team has to come together as a whole unit. Yeah, and and to go to your point, that's why I did kind of like, and we'll deep dive into the Preds trades here in just a few minutes, but... It was nice to see two players moved and two trades done because, like you said, one player might not do it, but you start moving a couple pieces and it might give you a little bit more life and a little bit more energy and didn't give up the farm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are happy about that. But unlike giving up the farm in Nashville, there was a team that gave it all for the postseason, potentially just to get out of the first round. And who might that be, Kyle? The Columbus Blue Jackets, they are just so desperate to get that first round. They come with Ottawa and said, what do you want? You have Duchesne. You have Ron Zingle. We'll take him. And just everybody. They basically just did everything except trade arenas. I I mean, let's just be honest. This was insane. I mean, they're, they're firing on all cylinders. They're firing all the cannons at Columbus right now because it almost is a brand new roster, really. It really is. Tonight they're playing, and one of the uh, things for their uh, social media said, the Columbus New Jackets. Nice. Because you turn around, like I told Daniel, you know, him and I work in different places, but we can Skype each other. And every few minutes I was texting him or Skyped him saying, oh, my gosh, Columbus has picked up another player. Because every time you turned around, it was like Columbus is going, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. And their cupboard is going to be dry coming up. Yeah, Matt, what was the price for the Duchesne trade, just the first puzzle piece? Yeah, actually, in order for Columbus to land both Matt Duchesne and Julius Bergman from Ottawa, they, in return, had to give up Vitaly Abramov, Jonathan Davidson, and a first pick in 2019 and a conditional first-rounder in 2020 if uh, Duchesne resigns. Quite the steep price for a rental, essentially. And what was shocking about this trade the most was it came out, and, of course, Nash was the front-runner. You know, oh, they're going to get Duchesne. Duchesne loves Nashville. It's going to happen. Then wrong. For, you forgot to mention, uh, maybe last week we had these real estate rumors of Matt oh, Duchesne yeah, yeah. buying property in Nashville, which what? turns out to be true. It's true, yes. But I don't, like, here's the deal. He's still a restricted free, a, or a free agent in the summer. So we'll see what happens in the summer. This might be the third time's the charm. You know, we might get another chance to court him to the Predators. And you know he's going to want to be here. But the thing is, GMDP was not going to give up those prices for... Oh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, that was insane. Like, yeah, like we were saying. Two quality prospects, a first-rounder, and then another first-rounder. <laughs> and on top of it, they also, Columbus, was going to potentially deal Panarin, who was number two or three on the on the draft list. And after they bought Duchesne, they were speculating that Panarin's asking price was going to go up because now the market is in higher demand because less players are available. Wrong. But they actually ended up holding on to Panarin as well. So what happened next in the second trade between Columbus and Ottawa, Kyle? So Columbus is like, well, we need more players. So they go to <laughs> Ottawa and they're like, we want Ron Zingle. And they're like, sure, but you got to give us Anthony Duclair. Oh, and a 2020 second round pick. And then a 2021 second round pick. So Columbus is just basically just shelling it out, making it rain over in Ottawa. Yeah. You know, and I'm pretty high on Anthony Duclair, too. He's been an assist go getter over there. So I I was a little shocked that he got dealt. 
But I do understand why they needed Ryan and the pieces that they wanted. But it, it is quite interesting that, boy, Columbus really liked a lot of players from Ottawa, which is a bad team. And what's By the way, I just want to throw that out there. Ottawa's a bad team, and you're grabbing all the players from that team. Yeah, I kind of feel bad, actually. Somebody mentioned that you know, their GM, Pierre Dorian, there in Ottawa, he offered all these players contracts. He offered Alfredson a contract, Carlson, Duchesne, Dezingle, Stone, all of them. He offered contracts, and they all opted out to leave. So, yeah, not a good side in Ottawa. So good on them to go ahead and get out. Well, would you want to play in a place that essentially is burning down? I mean, like like we said at the start of the show, Columbus and Ottawa basically did everything except trade arenas. And one one of the things I thought was funny was that, so, you know, Duchesne goes and plays this game in Columbus. Well, he's got to fly back to Ottawa and pick yeah. up and pick up his wife and their kid and the dog. Yeah, which, well, by he, the way, they just traded lockers for the game. Like, he literally just walked across the hall. Yeah. Like, how funny is that? What I thought was great about the whole thing is he flies back to get all of them, and he brings Ryan back with him, too. Yeah. Just picks him up and brings him. Hey, friend. You know, you want to join us here at this new home because we are at least going to probably make the playoff. That's the funny part about Columbus is they're still not an in for the playoff. Do you know what really, really would be hilarious is if they do all this, they don't make the playoffs, and then all those players leave, and then you're left with like zero draft picks over the next couple years. That team is going to be terrible. They for sure were the biggest buyers at trade deadline today. But like you said, they're kind of – they're in the middle there, and they're in the pack, but they're not like an elite level team. So we're going to see how that pans out for them. You got to take, you got to risk it for the biscuit, but we'll see. And they still kept risking it. So it comes out today that they go to New Jersey and they said, "Hey, you know, we need a goaltender in case something happens to Corpusalo as a reliable backup for Bob." And we know and Bob's gone after the season with yeah. his little locker room incident. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Like everyone forgets that he's definitely probably gone in the uh, in the off season. So, yeah, so the Blue Jackets go to the Devils and say, hey, you know, we'll take Kincaid and we'll give you our 2022 fifth-round pick. Just handing them out like candy. And what was funny is Craig Hustons was talking about this. He was like, somebody give a 2023 draft-round pick. And he did some research and found out there is no limit on how far of a draft pick can be given out for a trade. That's hilarious. I, I mean, at this point, why not? I mean, Columbus is literally all in. So we thought, and guess what? Hell, guess what else happens? They go and get somebody else. So <laughs> they get Julius Bergman from Ottawa. They flip him to the Rangers to bring up Adam McQu- Adam McQuaid, who's a defenseman, and they give um, the Rangers their 2019 fourth round pick and their 2019 seventh round pick. <laughs> and then you're like, surely, guys, you can't do anything else. But wait, there's more. They didn't go to Winnipeg and says, "We'll give you Alex Broadhurst." For future considerations. <laughs> future considerations. Like, that's still the best line in all of trade deadline hockey is, we'll give you this player for future considerations. Like That's like a slap in the face. You owe, you owe us one. You and know, like, like, we'll just mark that in. Pencil me in in a couple years for a future consideration. And what's funny is, if you go to, like, the lower leagues, like the ECHL, when they do t- these types of future considerations, they normally involve cash. They're like, we'll give you a player, and we'll give you like a thousand bucks. This is like backwoods dealing here, you know. Under we're like table. under to the table here. Here's a little uh, conditional future consideration for us. Just remember us, you know, Fenton, when we uh, wink, wink, need a trade later on. So serious question. <laughs> so serious question. With all the moves that Columbus has done today, <laughs> can they get past the first round? <laughs> I knew you were gonna go there, but you know th- they're all in this year, fellas. I think that this is a good enough roster, just looking at it, hopefully, because it's a new roster, that they can make it past the second round. But the the real question is, people instant, you know, the instant analysis was like, oh, man, this is a team wanting to go to the Cup. But do you realize what other team is also in the Eastern Conference right now? And that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. So if this were a year to go all in, this is not the year to go all in. Because the Tampa Bay Lightning are killing people. Yeah, they're I mean, absolutely on fire. We'll go over some of their streaks in a moment. I know Matt has some stats. I have some stats. That top line is kicking. Why Why would you go all in and give up all your picks on a year that the Lightning are the – I mean, they're the baddest yeah, team on the dominant. block. And they are dominating everyone right now. And if they stay this hot – 
there is no one who can beat them. Usually what happens with Tampa Bay is they're very hot for the first couple months and they get injury bug and then they go down. But this year, they're staying with it, man. Look out. Yeah, and that's the thing that can they keep it up at this rate? Maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, as of right now, if you told me if I was buying on this year against Tampa, no. I wouldn't have done it this year. I would have waited two, three years once they're starting to get a little older, a little depleted. They have cap issues. You know what I mean? Like this year was not the year to go all out because even if you do make it past the second round or end up, you're going to have to face the Lightning, and they're probably going to beat you. Well, you know, you're talking about all this stuff with Tampa. We're also forgetting another big player in Ottawa as well too, and that is Mark Stone. Yes, and this is the one that after the Duchesne – Rumor panned, you know, fell through for for uh, Nashville. Instantly, the rumors shifted towards Stone, which is very ironic because I feel like this might just be me, but I feel like Poyle was definitely putting interest out there to raise the prices on some of these elite players. Probably a good tactic, but... That's, that's very interesting. But I, when you have people like Friedman and Bob that are reliable sources saying that Nashville is interested. Oh, you know, they'll, they'll put a little word in, and here comes the Twitter. The Twitter machine's firing up. Yeah, so and, then, so, up. and then somebody from, from uh, Vegas's camps on there like, oh, man, well, Nashville's interested. Well, we got to be interested. And the Jets, well, we got to jump on it. And then here we go with another, another massive trade. And to be honest, Ottawa got a pretty good return, Kyle. So what did they get? Well, Vegas gave Ottawa, Oscar Lindbergh, and Eric Brandstrom and a 2020 second-round pick, which actually was Dallas's pick. Yes, and I want to point out that Eric Brandstrom was a very high prospect and a defensive player, which Ottawa wanted. We would not have given up a defensive player to Ottawa. That is one reason why the deal did not go through. And two, that is a pretty good deal for Ottawa. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you want to keep a player like Mark Stone, but if you have to give him up, that is a good return on your investment. Does it, like I hope that makes sense. Like it, it does. But the question is, if you're Vegas, did you want to sign the deal that Mark Stone signed? Well, the the problem is, and I I know this is a thing in Vegas, the no state tax really messes over as far as Ottawa's concerned. Because I saw a tweet somewhere, and I haven't yet to you know validate this, but they said a contract of similar nature would have been in the 12 to $13 million range in Ottawa per year. So he's making the equivalent of that up there just because of the no state tax. Which, which also is a good thing about Nashville because that's one thing that Poyle uses the lower people in too. So, hey, we've got no state sales tax. So you don't have to worry about that. Yes, it's a, it's a definite ploy. And it's interesting that the NHL hasn't regulated it yet, but um, I, I don't see how they possibly yeah. can because it's a state. Thing. Yeah, so, it's out of the realm. So it is very interesting, but I, I thought Ottawa did well. It, it, despite having to lose Mark Stone, I think they got yeah. what they needed. Backstrom's going to be a great player. He's going to be a good, solid defenseman for them. He's a high prospect. I he, think that was that was the correct move because not only did Stone have a lot on the cap, but they're also they're getting return for younger players and prospects because they're looking to rebuild in the future. They're not a buy now team, so they, that they was. Get, they're getting like 16 picks. Yeah, so that's that's <laughs> definitely the way to go. I do want to say, correction, Tennessee has no state income tax. State I income. said sales tax. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, so I pay sales, sales tax, tax every day. Yeah, sales funny. tax is high here. It's 9.75% for any viewers out there. So it's it, it's quite high. But. but the one thing I think that really kind of spoiled the deal for Poyle is that, you know, he's not real big on giving no move, no move clauses. And in addition to Stone's uh, eight-year... Uh, contract at nine point five million of an annual value. It also came with a with a non move clause. Bro, he's going from Ottawa to Vegas. You talk about a climate change. <laughs> he's basically his <laughs> rest of his career is going to be played in Vegas. He's oh, a, he's sure. he's officially off the board for good. Yeah, I, I mean he's not going anywhere, but it's just crazy. He's going from five feet of snow to desert. Quite an interesting swap. He's going to the retirement center here. You know where he's going to live out his life as a Vegas Golden Knight. I, and this, of course, happened right before the deadline. And once this came out, I thought Twitter was in meltdown mode. Like, oh, we're out. That's it. 
That's it. A Western Conference team has won the Stones. <laughs> they won the Stone sweepstakes, and the Preds have done nothing. Oh, boo hoo! Blah 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 blah. I was fine with him going to Vegas because that meant the Jets weren't going to get him. Exactly. I would yeah. rather it go to a Pacific Division team than a Central Division team who could have signed him long term as well. That would have really been bad for the Preds because then we would have seen him multiple times a year and in the playoffs every year. You know, we're talking about the Jets. Let's just get right on to the Jets. Because they got tired of waiting on Stone, they went to New York and said, give us Kevin Hayes. Okay, so this is more of a, I would classify as a minimal like trade, but for the Jets, it was a good trade because they needed a solid centerman who could possibly wheel out a little bit more. I, I think he's probably going to play maybe second power play unit too. He, he, he's decent at that in New York. So overall, a decent trade, maybe a little bit overpaid, Kyle, because what, what did they give so, to get Kevin Hayes, the Jets gave the Rangers Brandon Lemieux, a 2019 conditional first-round pick, and a 2022 conditional fourth-round pick. Now, should the draft lottery render the 2019 first-round selection a top-three pick in the draft lottery, the Rangers will instead get Winnipeg's 2020 first-round selection. And they did that actually last year, too, on their previous trade. And for the 2022 pick, this pick will only go to the Rangers if Winnipeg wins the Stanley Cup. So do you think that's an overpayment? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a little bit of an overpayment. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent about it just because I think it's a good – I think personally it's a good fit for the Jets, but I, I could be wrong. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think that was probably a good pickup for the Jets, and I don't really see it as a huge win one way or the other as far as a lopsided deal. That's probably just pretty good for, for both sides of the equation here. Now I'll tell you one team – in the Central, that's probably regretting their trade already. Oh, yeah. And that is Dallas. Did you hear about this, Matt? <laughs> oh, yeah. So they go out and they get uh, they get Matt Zuccarello. And first game, he's playing first away game. game. Playing Chicago and breaks his arm. And he is out a minimum of four weeks. Yeah. Goodbye, Dallas. You're done. And I, I'm reading possible surgery, too. Yeah, I read So that. I don't see it being anything less than four weeks. So if... One, if Dallas makes the playoffs, he's got to be back soon like to be able to play even in the playoffs for them and be relevant. And if he does return, how effective is he going to be after surgery with a broken arm? Dallas is the team. I always like the moves they make, the picks, the offseason moves, the trade deadline moves. I like the roster selection moves that they make, but it always falls through. We're like, okay, this is going to be the year, Dallas. All right, we got it this year. And a day later, he breaks his arm, you know. Uh, well, let's take, let's take a look at what Dallas gave up to get Zuccarello. They gave them a 2019 conditional second-round pick and a 2020 conditional third-round pick. So, like, the overall region theme of this whole trade deadline is third, second, and first-round picks, mostly. Well, all these players are going for these high-level picks, and they all got these conditions attached to them, which makes the whole thing more complicated. Uh, yes, and I hate complicated because it's harder for us to really qualify which is the better half of the trade. So the 2019 pick, its condition is it becomes a 2019 first-round pick if the Stars advance the third round of the NHL playoffs, which at this rate, you're probably not going to get that. And if Zuccarello plays in 50% of the games in the first two rounds, he's injured. So you can kiss that pick goodbye pretty much. And then the 2020 conditional third-round pick becomes a 2020 first-round pick if the Stars re-sign Zuccarello, and that's going to be a little more realistic for them to get. And this is every GM's worst nightmare. You trade for a player, you give up some of your farm, and then he gets injured. <laughs> I mean, there's not much you can do about it. But it's Dallas. Are we surprised that happens to them? No, not really. But I will, and to credit Matt, I love all the moves that they make, but one thing that I don't like is every year they, they burn the ship and get a new roster, yeah. and there's no chemistry. You got fast turnover. And there's no chemistry that's built. So there's something to be said for... Like the Preds, on the other hand, hardly make any moves. Slow, steady build. We have a good, solid core. You know what I mean? It, it, it's to, two totally different cultures, and um, it just never pans out for Dallas. And, I mean, just what another crummy move. But another move in the Central that I feel is crummy. Some might say otherwise. But that would be the Colorado Avalanche, Kyle. And what were the details on that trade? So Derek Broussard has been, like, moving around the league the last couple of years. I think he went to Pittsburgh at one point, and he was in, I think, the last place was Florida because that's where he got traded to the Avalanche. Um, the Avalanche gave up a 2020 third-round pick. Like I said again earlier, 
all the picks usually going are third, second, and first with the occasional fourth and seventh round. But the Avalanche picked up Broussard, and they got Florida's 2020 conditional sixth-round pick, which if Broussard signs an extension with the Avalanche, they don't get the pick. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because he started off as an, a really good player for the Blue Jackets. Then, of course, he moves on to the Rangers, then the Senators, then the Penguins, <laughs> then eventually Florida, where he has fallen off the map. And yeah. he's getting paid $5 mil a year, by the way. Well, to be fair, if you go to Florida, you're going to fall off the map. Well, I kind of thought this is a good deal for Colorado because, like you said, he has not been hot lately. He's got 19 points in 50, 50 games. Not great, but historically he's been a better player. He seems to track down lately, and that might just be on the teams he's on. I mean, I, 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 it's a calculated risk because yeah. they're hoping – You're hoping he's going to catch that upside again. Upside again, but the thing is they're still taking on that salary, though. Yeah, so that, that's true. So that is the one – I think they're actually retaining only three million, and two's going to Vegas. If I'm correct in that, either way, taking on that salary for a player who's not producing a lot of points, it is going to be interesting to see if he can kick it into gear, and and turn it around because th- this is definitely a calculated risk by the Avalanche. And if you want to contrast that to another trade that happened, is that Detroit let go of my boy Gus Nyquist to San Jose in return for a second round and a third round. And why that's interesting is because Detroit is keeping retaining between 30 and 46% of his salary. For for me, obviously, it's more likely going to be a rental, but Nyquist is showing a career year. I mean, he, he's got 49 yeah. points in 62 he's, games. He's set to break his and record. He, he's, he's an incredible player. So overall, this is definitely adding depth for San Jose at minimal cost. I mean, yes, it is going to be a second, third rounder, but... The the overall feel is I really like this for St. Jose. Nyquist is yeah, having a it, career year, but Detroit got boned hard. If you just, just read some of the... <laughs> just don't even go about their fan base right now. They got boned hard. Not only did they only get pieces back in return, which we need future picks, that's fine, but it's really minimal compared to the value that Nyquist brings to the table and you're still retaining like 40% of a salary, that's dead weight right that, there. Dead weight? Have you seen your salary cap? I know it. <laughs> you needed to get it's rid like, of space. It's like the worst in the NHL probably. I haven't checked Shocker. lately, but it's... Yes, uh, you are 100% correct. So when you make a move like that, you're retaining a guy's salary. That's not only is that dead weight, but that shows that you're desperate because you're having to go to extreme measures to make a deal. And that's that's a guy, Nyquist is a guy that draws fans into the into the stadium. That's just, I don't like that move for Detroit. They did not get enough value in return, but good on San Jose because he's a great player and they're looking pretty scary down there in the shark tank. I see you're squeezing your uh, Red Wings puck a little bit while talking about this. Yeah, a little stress relief here. Yep. Let's not forget to mention that in order for Nyquist to go to San Jose, he had a no move clause and he waived it just to make that deal. Shocker. So I think he feels he's a fan favorite, but he wanted to get out of there. I mean, I don't blame him at all. Yeah, dead, uh, Detroit's dead end right now. But uh, I mean, talk about going to green pastures. You're going to a team that is was actually at the start of the season one of the favorites, forerunners. Carlson didn't come out as hot as he expected, but they're turning it on a little bit more, and they're starting to get more chemistry. So I think the Sharks are obviously one to look out for in the Pacific. And now that Pacific race is going to get super juicy with the Sharks and also Vegas loading up for the playoffs. Man, you talk about an exciting playoffs. This is probably going to be the most exciting playoffs I can remember in a long time just because of the amount of players traded that are quality and you know it's going to be intense. But you guys are all wrong about this. You're all dead wrong. Yeah, because there's because there's only one team that can come out, Kyle. Pretty much. I mean, at this point from what I was reading, a lot of people were just conceding the cup to Tampa. They're like, it doesn't matter what trades are going on. Everybody knows Tampa's going to win the cup. And, you know. We've been saying that for four years, though, you know. Well, I mean, look at this they time. They have won one, though. Yeah, they've got a cup. Recently. But this year, they are a plus 81 goal differential, and they're 98 points, and it's February. The, the, yeah, they, if they, they win tonight, they'll, they'll break another record, actually. The, and they're, they're insane right yeah, now. They're on an eight-game win streak. And let's look at this, just their top three players. Nikita Kucherov has 100 points, 30 goals, 70 assists. The man is a machine. Braden Point, 78 points, which breaks down to 35 goals and 43 assists. And then Steven Stankos, 73 points, which is 33 goals and 40 assists. And the three of them combined are shooting between 18 and 23%. They are lighting people up. And on top of it, 
you have Vasilevsky and their backup both on fire too. So it, it's a culminate right now. This is the best Lightning we have seen in a while because one, they're injury free, they have hot goaltending, and they are all buzzing on an incredible. And they're like thirty percent on the power play, which blows my mind considering we are currently sitting at a twelve point six percent power play, almost three times better than the Predators. They are crushing people, and it. it, it Here's the deal. If they can stay healthy and stay this hot, no team's going to touch them. No team's going to touch them this year. They are on fire. They might also just stay home and Gary Bettman just meld them the cup. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated than that because for some reason, once you get to the playoffs, all bets are off. And as we stated earlier in the show, it only takes 16 wins. And you've got to string them together somehow. You can claw. You can kick and fight. To get those 16 wins, but they have to be 16 wins and four in each series. Yeah, it really it, don't matter how good you are during the season, President's Cup or not. Remember a couple years ago, the Kings were making deep runs all the time, and then one year they, they just barely scrape in the playoffs. I think they ended up winning the Cup that year because it's all about the postseason. When is a team hot? Are they healthy? That kind of deal. The so. Preds made the finals as an eighth seed, a mm-hmm. 16th, 16th seed, seed yeah. and beat a number one. In a sweep of the first round, one of the better moments in Preds history. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, for sure. And it's of course even sweeter because it's the Blackhawks. Yeah, but yeah. It, but uh, but on top of that, like you, just because that's a Preds thing, that doesn't mean that's a league thing. Like you just got to get to the playoffs and string together those sixteen wins. So that said, I'm not counting some other teams out, but the Lightning are the overwhelming favorites right now to win the Cup. But with the trades that the Preds made today, do you think they can become not necessarily an elite team, but do you think they can make it through the first and second round? Because last season we got bumped in the second to Winnipeg. And if you look at, like I said, Preds, Preds Facebook, Preds Twitter, a lot of people are scared about facing Winnipeg. But on the flip side, if you go look at the Jets version, they're scared about facing Nashville. Well, let's let's look at actually – do the deep dive into the Preds' acquisitions now before the trade deadline. Before today, we actually acquired McLeod and Boyd, which we have briefly talked about. McLeod, he's got those intangibles, you know. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm That's a, what you say when he hasn't got anything else to yeah. say. Well, get, well, he means a lot to the locker room. I'll give him that. He's mostly scratched. Sure. He's mostly, even better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's most he's mostly scratch, and the analytics community is not a big fan of his. Well, you and need I can a, see why. You need a body on the ice for when all your guys are hurt. So. Hey, that's true because we've been getting crushed because now damn ham use is out. Yeah. More than likely, long term, that looked bad. And McLeod was so cheap. It, that's fine. So yeah. what you're telling me is we're going to call Alexi Immelman back too. Ooh. No. Mm. No, we shipped him off. So, and it's kind of a feel good sco- story too. Matt, with his family. Did you hear about that? I yeah. uh, don't know. His family lives here. So, Oh, oh yeah. So I heard that. His, yeah. his family didn't leave. They didn't move. That's when right. When he got traded. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. He actually ended up coming to Nashville that morning and surprising his kids for breakfast. And I didn't realize it because oh. his, his dad got traded back. Precious. To, yeah. So kind of a sweet moment for them. It means a lot for the locker room. Good boost. Whatever. And then you had Brian Boyle the other night for Colorado's game. He was the Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and he came out and did the ceremonial puck face-off. Yeah, that was killer. And had his sister sing during the intermissions, too, because she's a recording artist in Nashville. And did you see that post-game interview with Henrik Lundqvist when he got asked oh about seeing oh, yes. Lee? That was so emotional. That and was I, tough. I love Lund- I've yeah. I've stated it many times. That is a... Man, okay, you just look at him. He's got a full beard, and his hair is perfect, and he's like forty something. And he, for him to break down like that, you know they are best friends. Yeah, like that. You know, like after the games, they're at each other's apartments in New York, just chill. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of friendship they had, and that that was painful to watch. But stuff like that happens, and. Th- they will reunite one day, and they'll he be. He has re- a chance to re-sign them with them. They, so. they will. Uh, well, they ev- will always be friends. That's that was an incredible. Well, ev- everybody, everybody forgets that you know, 
hockey at the end of the day is a business. That's why I honestly, I talk about how much I love Philip Forsberg, but I don't have an emotional attachment to him as some people do with like, for example, Fiala got traded today. You kind of spoiler. Gosh. <laughs> yes. Spoiler. If you uh, haven't been following the trade deadline, Preds Twitter and Preds Facebook, Preds community as a whole kind of took this, um, Good or bad, there was some. Of, there was a lot of emotional attachment to Fiala. I got a hot take on that in a minute, but go ahead. There were people. There were there were people that you know that we interact with that love Fiala. In fact, as soon as Fiala got traded today, my phone immediately blew up with somebody texting me saying, "I cannot believe they traded Fiala." They're like, "Can you?" And I said, "Yes, I can. I can yeah. believe because he's been here a couple of seasons, and he just is not. He's, he's too inconsistent. He's expendable. Yeah. Poil even came out today and said that." He's inconsistent, and they wanted somebody who was consistent, which yep. is why they went and got Mikael Granlin. Yeah, to jump back to the first trade, though, the the Boyle trade, not going to lie, Boyle has l- looked pretty incredible now that we've had a couple games with him. He's a big net front presence, too. Matt? Oh, yeah. He's you saw I changed this. my background image to that one where they scored and his butt was right his in the goalie's face. His was in his face. That I is mean, perfect. So it was against Detroit, yep. And and if you haven't noticed, since he's come here, and also, I might add, Dan Muse is running the power play drills, our power play has looked way better. The passing has been better. The pucks to the net have been better. We've been getting traffic to the net. So I am excited to see that. I think that that was an incredible trade, and he did – bolster our roster made it bigger more physical and on top of it gave us that net front presence that was been that has been really lacking since Watson has been out compare that to Wayne Simmons who a lot of these hockey analytics experts people said that since we got Brian Boyle that made Wayne Simmons redundant because you don't need he's basically the identical kind of player I was on the opposite side of that I said if one player is good then more is better so I was very excited once we got Wayne Simmons I was excited once I saw the price for Simmons. Wayne Simmons is a proven power play goal scorer. He, I, I mean, he's honestly a specialty at that. And I think some of the stats back that up, Kyle, correct? You had some of them pulled up earlier. So the Preds, uh, to get Wayne Simmons, they gave up Ryan Hartman, which, you know, the previous season they gave a first-round draft pick. And a lot of people weren't really sure about that because they seemed Poyle was a little too freely given that first-round draft pick for Ryan Hartman. A year has went by. Looks like that experiment hasn't worked as well. So he gives him to uh, Philadelphia for Wayne Simmons and a conditional, once again, fourth-round draft pick. And that, that blew become, my mind, by the way. And that fourth-round draft pick will become a third if Nashville makes it past one round in the playoffs. So I was at work with Taylor, and we were talking as this was happening, and it said, you know, as it broke, it was like, Hartman and a conditional. And I'm like, oh, Lord, please please don't let it be a one. You know, because Hartman was a one. You don't want to give up another one. I, I was just hoping for a second-round pick. And then when it came out that it was a four, we literally were at the desk like, oh, my God. Like, this is fantastic. Like, that is a good deal for a player who is a proven power play specialist. And he's exactly what we need, along with Boyle. I've actually got a quote. I can read uh, what David Poyle said on him earlier. He said that Wayne Simmons not only brings offensive consistency that he's had through his whole career, but I think he's had uh, four 20-goal seasons, but he's a presence on the power play, and he really has good hands around the net, and he's been very effective at scoring and helping on the power play for the Flyers, uh, said GMDP earlier. So that will translate well for the Predators. Let me, if you look at it here, he's got 16 goals in 62 games, and five of those are power play goals. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what we needed. We needed something to boost the power play. I I thought we you guys had the right idea. We got Boyle. We need that net front body, that junkyard dog kind of guy. That's great. Here's where everybody was saying that we don't need Simmons anymore because we've already got that guy in Boyle. But I think you guys need significant help on the power play. So you can't ask one man to straddle the entire load of a team. You need more like an overhaul. So you might as well go ahead and get as many assets to help your weakest link as possible, which is exactly what happened and what you needed to do. So Robbie Stanley is talking about putting Simmons on the third line and make it Yarncroak, Benino, Simmons, and then bring Boyle down to the fourth line on the wing and make it Boyle, Sissons, Grimaldi. That's, that's some killer bottom six. I mean – that 
sounds way better. And you're talking about slotting also another player who the Preds acquired on the second line as Fiala's replacement, and that's Granlin. And I think even more so that might be the bigger trade for Preds fans than picking up Simmons because we all were, you know, had the idea that we may get Simmons, but I don't think anybody was really expecting Fiala to be traded. I'll go on record in stating that, one, I thought Fiala was on the chopping block as of our last episode. Just go ahead and throw that out there. Two, it it just hasn't worked out for Fiala here. It like, really let, hasn't. Let's, let's just be real about Fiala right now. I know people like him because he's young, and, and but he, he's had several years to prove to us that he can be a 30-goal scorer, and it hasn't worked out. He's a little immature. It, it it's one of those things like it's tough to see a young player go, but it did not work out in Nashville, and we are getting someone who is an instant upgrade in a one-for-one trade, I might add. No draft picks required. For a couple weeks in a row, he can string together some Forsberg-like stats. But what about the rest of the year? Very inconsistent, very streaky player. And I was surprised that it was one-for-one one because Granlin looks better on – and every stat. He's just a better player. He's a, he's a better two-way, by the way, who has better defense than Fiala. Fiala is terrible with the puck in our own zone. You know how many yep. turnovers he's had this year? He's had 53 turn, turnovers. 53 turnovers, Matt. Yeah. And half the time he finds himself either on the fourth line or sitting on the bench because Lavi's just tired of it. Yeah, so team writer for the Wild, uh, Michael Russo, said that that was Minnesota's best playmaker, was Granlund. He's a guy that can create offense off the rush. He finds teammates in high-danger areas. He's a good two-way player. He also is versatile. He plays wing, but he also plays center, center for yeah. Finland. So That sounds like a very David that, Poyle move, by the way, a versatile the player. Yep. And on top of it, you're talking – oh, he's consistent. Just let's, let's, let's soak that in for a second. He's consistent and defensively sound with the puck. And let's talk about some of his stats here real quick. Not counting this season, the previous two seasons, he's had 60-plus points. You look at this season, he's got 49 points in 63 games. Yeah, and he also has one year left on his contract at $5.75 million, which means we don't actually have to worry about signing him next year. So the only restricted free agent technically would be like Sissons and um, Rocco, which is awesome for us because we got rid of two of them <laughs> in the trades today. We get rid of Hartman and Fiala. I think it's a little bit of a risk. I, everybody agrees Granlin's a better player, but if you look at Minnesota, their captain's out for the whole year now. They're kind of in the no-man's land. They have a good team. They're going to fall short of the playoffs, but they don't suck. But since their captain's out, they're kind of selling a little bit. And if you look at what Fiala brings to the table, he is young. He does have some time to grow. And maybe like uh, Brassard or somebody just needs a different spot on a different team. So he's got a few more years on him, so he can go and provide some youth and going forward for the Wild. Poyle even said that he thinks one day Fiala will be a 30-goal scorer. Like, he honestly thinks that. But the problem is we needed someone now to be consistent, and yeah. Fiala wasn't consistent. Exactly. And I think that's part of the problem that when fans get emotionally attached to certain players like Fiala, they tend to overlook that – he didn't have the best season, or two, and even three. I've always kind of thought he was expendable, and that's just something that you guys as a whole fan base are, are coming to realize, and, and it is the it is the correct decision. So that was that was a good move by David Poyle. Well, as, as Kyle said, some people get emotionally attached to players. Like, you have to remember, this is a business. <laughs> I'm a fan of several players, but if it means winning and winning the cup and bringing a cup to Nashville, like – the Red Wings for you. That's your team, Matt. As much as you love some of these players, oh, if yeah. you got to give them up to it, win a cup. It hurt to see. No, no. I mean, there's been trades that the, the Red Wings have made over the years that hurt bad. You're like, oh, my goodness, how could you trade that player? But the Red Wings were so successful for so long. Like, that was the reward. Like, you guys hoisted so many cups because of that. And people have to remember that this is the price you have to pay to at least compete for a cup. And you got Pittsburgh. They're starting to find themselves in the same situation as well. Back-to-back -back cup winners, and now they're in struggling. They're struggling to get in the playoffs too now. Let's talk about these lines now that we've mentioned, you know, uh, Granlin and Simmons. So Thomas Willis for the Preds said, when Craig Smith returns from, from IR, here's how I would align the Preds. Top line is Jofo. Duh. Second line, Granlin, Turris, Smith immediate upgrade that's awesome that's a good line 
Oh, it gets better. I mean, this is this is fantastic. Bottom six, third line: Sissons, Benino, Simmons. Fourth line would be Grimaldi slash Salty, Boyle, and Yarncroke. That that's killer. Bottom six. That adds. You guys, you've always famously said we got two first lines, and that what that tells me is you guys got great talent up top, but that means you leave a little bit lacking on the bottom half. And what bringing in Boyle and Simmons do was add the depth down the roster. So now you're competing on four lines rather than just two. And go back for a second why I was actually glad you guys didn't land Stone or Duchesne was because that was going to mortgage your guys' future and yep. having to give up Tolvin or something for a guy you really can't afford like a Stone. But now, since you don't land that, you don't have to give up as many pieces. And in return, you get more depth players that you can afford and are better on the roster now. So if you were telling me that we were going to come into today, we were going to get Gremlin and also Simmons, by the way, who have combined for 31 goals, 45 assists, and 26 of those are power play points. Yeah. And guess what we gave up? Fiala and Hartman combined for 20 goals compared to the 31, 32 assists compared to 45, and 7 power play points compared to 26 for the two. And on top of it, we only gave up one draft pick, a fourth, and a maybe third. What was the power play stats? Seven? Seven to 26 points. That That's the difference maker right there. That's the thing I said. You have to patch your weakest link, and that is doing it hard, baby. Oh, oh I'm going to – so he addressed the second line that was struggling. This has all been a fact that the second line has struggled here recently. So now you get Granlin in there to hopefully give Turris and Smith a boost, which Turris has been injured, so I give him a little bit of a pass. But that should boost the entire second line, and on top of it, he addressed our power play. So Poyle did the two things that the Preds were struggling in. He specifically addressed them, and on top of it, we kept our first-round pick in 2019. We kept Fabro, who said the other day, more than likely he is going to sign his uh, entry-level deal after the uh, NCAA season ends, which is March 9th, March 10th. So expect for him to sign and more than likely play, play with the Preds soon because Dan's now out. And we kept Tolvanen. Yeah. How crazy is that? You do all those moves in a day, and you still get to keep all your core assets, and I still get to keep Tolvanen, baby, just in the in the wing. Just so here's the deal. With, <laughs> with David Poyle, you ever go into the grocery store while being hungry? <laughs> this is going to be a great analogy. That's a big <laughs> mistake. And the Preds fans are that guy. They're going to the grocery store. They're coming to trade deadline, and they're starving for some action. They, they expect <laughs> that elite level. Two years ago, we went to the Cup. Then we won the President's Trophy. We need that elite talent. So they're looking hungry on the trade deadline. Hence but the Poyle, blow up. Going exactly. To but Poyle has to be calm and reserved and get just a couple assets. You don't go crazy. You just get a couple little snacks here and there to hold you over. <laughs> so, but, so, But he addressed – but like I said, he addressed the needs that we had exactly without giving the farm away. Yeah, you know it's that's like, how you do it. Th- it. It was very impressive to me because Twitter went from blowing up to like you know David Poyle is the wizard. He is he is the second coming. This is this is incredible. How could we have doubted you, David? Like like he's not the winningest GM in in all of you know the NHL, and he's been doing this for how many years now? Like uh, he knows better than us. <laughs> like, and it may sound like we're coming off hard against our own uh, fan base because you know we're Preds fans. You know, Matt is a quasi Preds fan whenever the mood strikes him. We, we, <laughs> we we're in a Preds hat right now, backwards though. We're so. in a Preds hat, but if you listen to this episode, he's saying you guys. Here's the deal: Matt likes our team better and better every time we trade players because we end up getting players that he likes, and then he's like, wow, that was a good yeah. move. Not only do I like Wayne Simmons for Nashville, but I like Wayne Simmons. He plays my style of hockey. So, And did you see a perfect ending for him was Philadelphia comes back and wins the stadium series. Yeah. <laughs> Two goals in the last three minutes of the game to tie it up. Well, I mean, also, if you think about it, Simmons also played underneath Lavi's st- uh, so he knows play it. in Philly for yeah. a couple of seasons. So – I honestly think that's an even better fit than Hartman. I mean, you only had Hartman for a year to get in our system. Like, he knows Lavi's system. He's coming in. He knows what Lavi wants day one in the locker room and what Lavi expects. So, I'm pretty excited to have the, the, the Wayne train coming to town. And, uh, I mean, I, here's the deal. How would you guys 
rate today's trade deadlines? If you had to give like out marks for teams, like if we if we're just gonna go back over the list, I'm, I'm throwing a curveball on, on the spot here, and right. say let's just hit Columbus. What is your grade for Columbus? Like honestly, because this is a lot. I can't give them. A, I, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of blank looks right now because we're like, mm, this I, is a tough one. I can't give them an A plus. Good. I cannot give them an A plus. I would give them a solid B plus because the reason the reason why I can't say C because it's very well possible this is what takes them and pushes them all the way farther than they've ever went before. But okay. I can't say the A because <laughs> because what if what if they don't sign? I had to do this to make contention in the room because we're all going to have different opinions on this. Well, I got to give them a conditional B minus. Oh, conditional. <laughs> is it future considerations? I need, <laughs> I need to see how they do this year because it is a bit of a risky move to go all in on this point. Yes. And you're, you may or may not be in a position that merits going all in right now. So we'll have to see in the future. B minus, baby. B minus because why? Tampa is so hot. Like, I, I, And that's crazy for – you know what's funny? If, if you would have told me, like, I'm going to make my – all-in decisions based off another team, I would have probably never said that. But this year, the Lightning are so hot that I am going to say that. Like, they are that insanely good right now. So it's looking like that is not going to be the case. So moving on to your grade for Vegas. I'll give an A. Okay. Just because you get stoned. You get stoned. I mean. (laughs) You get stoned and you keep them away from the Jets. Okay. I kind of see your reasoning behind that for the Predators. Go ahead, Matt. What do you think? Uh, I'll give him a B. Yeah, B, just solid B. Yeah. I'm gonna say probably B, uh, B plus, just because solid. It Ottawa did get really good prospects, but it's Mark Stone. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna circle back. It's Mark Stone, and they signed him long term. I'm gonna give him a B, B plus. So what about Colorado? Ooh, uh, this one for me is risky. So I'm gonna rate it as a C minus. I was thinking a C as well too, just a standard C. Just, just a standard it, it's C. Middle, it's middle. It's middle of the road. You really didn't gain anything. You really didn't lose anything. I just don't see him catching fire again like he did. So I'm gonna have to err on the C minus side. I I just don't like it very much. I don't know D plus for Colorado. I don't like them in the idea of buying players right now. They need to be on the side of the equation that's selling players. If you ask me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go C minus just because I. I don't understand them picking him up, and I don't see him tailing to the, you know, to his former glory days. I, I just don't see it happening. So, Winnipeg. When I look at what they gave up for Kevin Hayes because they got tired of waiting for Mark Stone, a little impatient. That's what that's the first thing I think about. They were a little impatient. They got tired of waiting, and if you, I had to grade them, I would give them a B minus. B minus. That's interesting. What about you, Matt? I'd say a, a B. You know, Line has not looked hot. He went on like a 16-game skid, a non-scoring mm-hmm. skid. But, you know, they have been very hot the last couple of years. Now is probably the time to buy. So, eh, solid a B, I guess. I mean, you don't like really like to see first-rounders go, but. I'm actually going to go uh, a B-plus on this one. A little shocking just because I think it addressed a key need for them. And I also think he's going to be decent on the power play. Probably second unit for them, which gives them a little bit more flexibility on their top line unit for them. So uh, I think it was an overall okay trade, but, you know, only time will tell for that. Uh, now let's go to Dallas's overall grade. <laughs> just just go for it, Kyle. F. F. And is there a reason why? Because you're you did all that just to have him break his arm. Well, I'll be a little more optimistic. At the time, that was a good yes. pick. I'll say a C at the time. I, it just I, happens it didn't work out well. But I, I would give him a B for the trade and F for execution because <laughs> we, we get him here and you can't get Dallas. You can't have good things. You can't have nice things because you instantly break them. It's funny you mention that because Rangers fans on Twitter, as soon as they found out that uh, Zuccarello had broke his arm, they were like, you had him one game. Yeah, one game, <laughs> one game, and you broke them. What about San Jose? I would say A, actually. Yep, A plus. Baby. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to go with A on this one. This actually in the morning when this first happened on my way to work, I 
this was a guy that I wanted for the Predators bottom six. And when it didn't happen and he went to San Jose, I was I was a little hurt. And it was a very good trade for, for yeah. San Jose. I think I, they got that, the best trade of the day, if you ask me. Uh, for the price, I think so. Because yeah. I, I think it was just a sucker move because I can't believe the Red Wings still retain some of his salary, too. Yeah. That That's the thing that blew my mind is you still – he still didn't get rid of the salary. So, did not make sense. They really want those picks, though, right now. Red Wings are in full rebuild mode, so give them the picks. Um, I, I, I would give them an A-, minus probably. I, I, it's almost impossible to get an A-plus on trade deadline day because you're having to give up something, but good for them, and he'll be a great rental. And speaking of the trades, let's go to the Preds. What do you give the, what do you give the Fiala trade? Uh, I, I, let me lump the whole thing. Okay, I'm gonna, 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 gonna do an A minus actually, and I was not, I was not optimistic. I didn't think anything was gonna happen. I, I think Matt and I were in the camp that nothing was going to happen before the deadline because the prices were too high. And what ended up happening were the prices drove up because we showed interest on the players that we wanted to for the other teams, and we ended up taking the players that still addressed our needs at a much lower rate. Like I said earlier. We technically only gave up the two players. We replaced them with two players, and we only gave up a fourth round, maybe a third rounder. And we instantly get points on the power play bump. I mean, it's over, what, it's almost four times. Seven to 26, so almost four times better on the the power play for those two players. Instantly better. Consistency. We're bigger. We're getting net front presence more. Like, honestly, A-, and I am shocked. And we still kept... Tolvin and Fabro and our first round pick, absolutely incredible. I'll a minus. It's almost impossible for me to give it out an A plus. That would have to be like the perfect day, and you just ripped off someone. That's a that's an E rat for Forsberg trade, and that's in hindsight, you know. Well, I would say A minus as well for all the reasons you just said. Well, I will give a B plus because it seemed like everything was up in arms. We didn't know we're we going to trade Tolvin or we're we going to trade Fiala. There's every there was no middle ground it, you just had no idea but i like smaller moves because they're less risky i don't like going after a mark stone and then him getting injured or some nonsense like that that's too risky and you're in a situation your franchise you don't need to be risky you just need to make small tweaks here and there your biggest tweak was on the power play of course and you brought in players who who are going to help offset that and you don't have to give up futures for it. But at the same token, you guys are not elite like you were two years ago in the last year. So it, it's I, odd. I, I want to counter you, though. Two years ago when we made the cup finals, okay. we were a 16 You're seed. Right. So you I did make it to the finals. I know, but we weren't elite. Okay, that's true. So well, I, I do want to say that, like you said, once you get to the fi- or once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. So do you think the team is better off now than it was Five hours ago. Your roster looks way better. Yeah. But the problem is, here. here's my main point, is that you guys, for some reason, outside of Forsberg, really are not performing at a – you just don't – I don't know if they don't want it enough. You, you got a bunch of other guys on the roster who, on paper, your team looks great. It looks great after the trade deadline. But it's just not quite coming together for some reason. So it makes me a little hesitant. But I am back on the upside because you didn't really yep. have to levy a lot of your future for it. It's, it's not like you're – going all in it's more like just uh adding more pieces to the puzzle to help your team succeed now i think it's more like fanning the fire because yeah i i i I, i'm not gonna lie before the trade deadline and before like coming into this if i were to pick the preds in on my bracket i probably had them in a first round exit i do too like and the main reason was the power play let's just be honest it's abysmal and you cannot survive in the playoffs with a power play at that Operating percentage. Sometimes. It is just not going to work. And because of these trades, I think these were needed to kick them in the butt a little bit, start that fire up again. And I'm going to save my judgment for the next you know, 20 games or so where they get to jail. But I'm hoping what this does is allows the team to get that fire and that grit once again that they had two years ago because they have a, they have a better roster than they did two years ago. Newsflash. <laughs> I mean, and if they can pull it together now, Honestly, they could do it. They could do another cup run with this team. 
Yeah, like you said, remember a couple of years ago when Turris came in and he ignited the team? We had we called it the Turris effect because of something he brought in. It, it like jolted the system. So although these couple of players you brought in might only be marginally better, they just might have that intangible thing. Okay, yeah, we need to get in gear now. Now we got some retooling to go, and now we're going to fire back up again because for the last couple of weeks you guys look like a dog with your tail between your legs. But now coasting. Yeah, but now we're starting to tool back up. You got a little bit of energy in. We got some new blood in here to uh, regain our system. So it's it's looking on the up and up. Yeah, I I have to admit, I I was very pessimistic coming in <laughs> into today, and I was probably more airing on the side of pessimistic Twitter, but just not voicing it. <laughs> and yeah. and it it was very refreshing to see the trades that were made today. And I am much more hopeful for the playoffs now. If we can come together, as Hal Gill said. For 16 games. You've got to come together as a team. Now is your time. The roster is set. It is time for the playoff push. It is time for the playoffs. Come together, like the Beatles said, and do it. Wow. Okay. That being said, Matt, do we have any milestones to go over? Yes. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but – since uh, the general manager, Bob Murray, for Anaheim came in, now he became a coach, he came <laughs> in, they snapped a seven-game skid his first game in, and the rookie goalie, Kevin Boyle, got a shutout in his first NHL game. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <laughs> we'll, maybe, see, we'll see how that yeah. stands up for the next 20 games. Yeah, I'm not buying them, but uh, that was a good sight to see. And speaking of not a coincidence, I don't know if you guys have seen this. St. Louis, we haven't mentioned them at all today, I don't think, had been on an 11-game winning streak. And that's odd because if you looked at the standings on New Year's, they were last place in the West. But since the New Year, they have actually had the best record in the NHL. They are 23-10-1 and and since getting a team dog, by the way. Coincidence? I think, I not. think not. That's right. Team dogs do it. So I just thought I'd mention them because that was quite impressive that what they've been going on with lately. Also, Anaheim have extended uh, Silverberg for a five-year, $5.25 million deal. That seems pretty pricey for an aging player, but that's just me. And also, you guys have seen that Washington put Devontae Smith-Pelly on waivers, and also Boston put Lee Stepniak on waivers as well, and he recently re-signed for the AHL. But uh, two high-level name players to see go out on waivers like that. Uh, semi-household names there, so I was kind of shocked when I saw that. But like you said, Kyle, he's got a cup to his name, so Devontae Smith does. So I wouldn't care. I mean, he. it was funny because he did basically nothing in the regular season, and then all of a sudden he yeah. caught fire in the playoffs. And he, he was their playoff Wilson. Yeah. I mean. Got his name on the cup. Got a ring. <laughs> Go save your time, baby. What matters? That's what matters, baby. Go save your time in the AHL. Be a mentor to them. Say, look what you can achieve. And speaking of achievements, Arizona have retired Shane Doan's jersey, and this was a big deal in Arizona. If you follow Arizona hockey, he is first in their franchise in goals, points, assists, and games played. He is the kitten caboodle, and he's only one of only ten players to play twenty-one years for one team. So it's nice to see him get the recognition he deserves there in Arizona. And Patrick Kane now holds the first and second longest point streak from an American. Yeah, he was on fire, dude. Yeah, he's been killing it. Yeah, it, <laughs> I have some random Pred stats, too. The Preds also sent Nicholas Baptiste, who we recently you know, acquired, to Toronto for our favorite future considerations. So you owe me. Um, side note, our power play is still 31st in the league at 12 point. 6%, which is abysmal. 27 for 214. <laughs> Let that sink in. It's whatever at Thank this point. God. Thank God we just made some trades to hopefully bolster that. Uh, the penalty kill is 14th in the league, which is nice to hear at 80.8%, right where you kind of want to be. We've been kind of floating water or treading water the last 10 games at 5, 4, and 1. Our home record is way worse this year at 10, 12, and 1, road 16, 11, and 4, but our goal differential is still a nice, healthy plus 24. So that is basically the Preds stats summary to date as of the trade deadline. And they are playing a game tonight, and they're currently tied in the third period, 2-2 two to two with Edmonton. So Without Fiala and also without Hartman and, and without Granlin. <laughs> and Simmons. So. And Edmonton is without Connor McDavid, who got suspended for two games. Yeah, that's crazy. So what games we got coming up, Daniel? 
All right, tonight we have Edmonton, which is live right now, and we are trying to get updates because <laughs> we are in the third period. Tomorrow night we are facing St. Louis, the red-hot St. Louis Blues, which we never thought we would say at the beginning of the season, in St. Louis. Later on this week we face Winnipeg, so let me just say we have back-to-back divisional rivals with one and three, so get ready. It's, it's heating up. And then we travel to Minnesota for an away game on the third. And then Minnesota travels to us for a home game on the fifth. So four straight Central Division matches. We rounded up with another home game against Carolina on the ninth. And then by this point, we should be recording another episode. And hopefully we will know for a fact that we're not playing the Blues in the playoffs. Shoo. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to play the Blues in the playoffs right now with how hot they are, but I do not see that trending the same direction forever because their goalie's hot right now, but that doesn't last forever. Jordan Bennington is a beast. Just enjoy it now, Blues. Enjoy it now. And shout-out to former Preds Scott Hartnell, who now in retirement joins the NHL Network as a studio analyst, and I saw him the other day covering the – Philadelphia-Pittsburgh uh, game, so that was He's going to cool. be awesome. Yeah. He's just a very a good personable guy. He, he's one of those most liked players, too, I feel like, in both franchises, especially like Philly and, and Nashville. Like, everyone just loves him. And, and don't he, forget Columbus. Yes, that is true. But he, ah, what a great guy. Super excited for him in his next stage in his career. <laughs> well, guys, that about wraps the show up here for us. You guys have a good week. Take it away, Rachel. You've been listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio, powered by the Ingram Agency. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at C. Dandrum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Penalty Box Radio on iTunes. SoundCloud or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.